Hello everybody and welcome back to Journalist Talk. Today I have Melanie Guerrero with me. She is a journalism undergrad student at CSUN and one of my dearest friends. So Melanie, thank you so much for coming. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I want you to start with a brief biography about yourself. It's something that I do with everyone so we can settle the mood for all of my listeners. Okay, yeah. Can I be as candid as I want? Yes, you can. <laughs> right. Well, my name's Melanie Guerrero. You know, I was born and raised in Southside Oxnard. I still reside here in Oxnard, still in the same home I grew up with, thankfully. Um, I went to community college before I transferred out into Northridge. Um, it is quite a distance to get to campus from uh, my hometown, so I do take the train, but being the avid bookworm that I am because I love to read and I love to write, um, it gives me a lot of time to just kind of relax and have this quiet space where I can just put in my headphones and read my books. Um, yeah, those are pretty much my, my, my hobbies. I'm a journalist student here. I'm studying broadcast journalism actually going to be graduating um i guess this semester i mean i don't walk until may but my last class is on wednesday so yeah that's just a little bit about me i'm also really into makeup i love makeup i love dressing up um i like making aesthetic boards and uh playlist boards for the book i'm reading so it's a little fun fact about me love that we love fun facts thank you so much for telling us all of that about you and we can start, uh, you touched that you're from Oxnard and all, and I know that you are so active within your community there. And I think that's like one of the most important points for journalists who wants to make a real change is to be very active in something. Can you talk more about your relationship with your community and how maybe you want to use that in your work as a journalist? Yeah, so I, you know, my parents really, and not to say enforced, but, or encouraged, it kind of just happened. Um, my parents, they didn't start becoming active into the community until maybe my sister and I were going through our first communion or confirmation, and that's kind of where I got my first taste of being a part of my community because being a part of my church. In my church, it wasn't just, you know, one of those Spanish churches. It, we had people of different races. It was mostly um, Latino and uh, Filipino. That was mostly the demographic of our church. And I started helping out in the summers when I was about 10 because when my mom went to go register me for communion and register my sister for confirmation, she just happened to be, as my mom does, because she's a very nice lady, just happened to be making conversation with some of the people who were doing the, the, the official paperwork and they mentioned how they needed volunteers and my mom was like all right I'll help I'll do the registration um next summer and then I can help teach a class um the, the upcoming weeks of communion and then my daughters can help too like she she can literally just threw us all in there but I don't ever remember being like sad or mad about it I was always like oh okay, I guess this is what I'm doing for my summer break. And it just, I ended up helping out with the church from literally the ages of maybe 
11 all the way until my senior year of high school when I was 17. And at that point, I was already going on retreats and leading youth groups and helping teach my own catechism. Well, not my own catechism. It was a duo. So there was one catechist and then there was me and I would just, we would just go back and forth. Um, so there's that. And then my babysitter growing up, she was a pretty active member of the community. So when she would babysit me, she would take me out into the community and, you know, would meet all these people. And by the time I got to college, you know, I was missing that. I was missing being a part of my community, missing helping out the church that I started helping out more with my babysitter, well, my past babysitter at this point, um, seeing what she needed help with, how can I help, like, even if it was just babysitting the neighbor's kids or um, going to the park and being like a second set of eyes when she was babysitting her nieces and nephews. And then ultimately the pandemic hit, I realized just how great of a community I live in. I mean, I used to, being a journalist student, you know, we're always hearing stories about people who, you know, just were under that poverty line or were just invisible enough that they didn't get enough coverage or seen or their stories weren't being heard. And I never saw that in my community. In fact, what I saw was a community banding together. Like, for example, my that same neighbor helped organize a food drive, a food drive that is still going on to this day. So we have, the, obviously, the nonprofit organization in a group, they're doing a food drive, and then there's a separate food drive for different churches. And then her own, like, I don't want to say personal one, but her own kind of one that she did for the community, which my parents also help out with, and they encourage us to go help out with. And then along around this time, I actually started working at a gym. I know it just sounds really funny working at a gym in the middle of a pandemic. That's just asking for some trouble, but <laughs> no, it was actually very beneficial because that particular gym, even though it was kind of a corporation of some sorts, it really brought in a lot of people like professors from the local community college, high school kids, teachers. It brought in those same youth group leaders that I worked with previous, it, it was a whole kind of mosh, pot, mosh pit or whatever you want to call it of just diverse beings who just wanted to communicate and wanted to tell you about their day and you tell them about their day and then it ended up turning into, well, how can I help you? How can you help me? Um, here's some advice that I have. And then as we speak now, I'm actually a part of a different church where I was doing advocacy work for them. I was helping them with their social media stuff. I was helping them plan and organize events. I still am. In fact, we do have an event coming up on Saturday um, that would, it's a kind of a parents slash kids day that we've been working on for about like a month, month and a half now. So community is very important to me. And it's also very important to me as a journalist to advocate that even though Southside Oxnard, which is the uh, I'm reiterating the part that I grew up with, I grew up in, we have such a bad reputation. Everyone thinks that, well, not everyone, but the people who know of Oxnard immediately go to, you know, gangsters and cholos and all these really bad things, um, these Latinos who aren't educated, because that was another thing that we hear, and helping out my community and being a journalist and advocating for a church or for a food pantry or something along those lines, it really kind of is able to help me share and bring light to my community and tell them like, no, we are good people here. This is a community where people were down on their luck during the pandemic and we rose to the occasion to help them. This is a community where I can be 
a Catholic and help out at a non at a Lutheran evangelical church, be accepted, be prayed over for my finals, and accept and be willing to accept members of the community, regardless of religion, because they need help babysitting their kids on one Saturday, or they the kids need a safe place to come, doesn't matter their religion, come with us. Like that is what my community is about. It's welcoming, it's loving and accepting. And those are the stories that I want to tell as a journalist. I am so impacted. I'm not even <laughs> joking. I love when you talk like about your community. I was even like I saw it in your Instagram when I was doing my research about you. <laughs> You made yeah. a video just talking about it, about your community and your family and how it was growing up in <laughs> Oxnard. And you know what? Like, I honestly, I want to stay here in the U.S. It's not that I don't love my community of being from Brazil and all, but I think I can do more in here. And every time that I talk to you, I feel like inspired to just go out and like, I don't know, go search for other Brazilians and do something about it because... I mean, I know that there's, like, a lot of Brazilians here in Northridge, but we're always, like, so spread out that I don't even know where to start. Um, but everything that you said, Mel, it's so amazing. And I really hope that you can keep doing those works um, that you're doing already. But with journalism and reaching more and more people to be aware of your community, that is amazing. Um, congratulations already for thinking, like, like that you know <laughs> that, that is great you. tell me a little more about your community college did you also study journalism in there how was your experience in community college before coming to CSUN so my experience at community college was wonderful I can't talk down on it at all um you know my community of Oxnard itself was just a home place it was a great thing to be a part of the same can be said for Oxnard College. I actually did not study journalism at Oxnard College because Oxnard College does not have a journalist program. Um, in order to combat that, or it's not combat, that's probably the wrong word to use, but in order to kind of get the classes I needed to be accepted into a Northridge or into any other university that had um, a journalist program that I was interested in, I had to take film and media classes, which is so funny. Or actually, no, that I'm thinking about it. Um, it kind of goes hand in hand. So I was learning about film production and setting production sets and screenwriting and setting up a camera to film um, in community college to get me to a career where it's like, I'm going to be reporting the news. There's no filmmaking to it but there is storytelling to it and I was learning how to maybe fictional stories yeah but I was learning to put those stories together and set them up to a visual um and then eventually that led me over to uh broadcast journalism I did feel a little bit like my education lacked when I got to Northridge just because I had students who were going to Park College who I so for those of you who don't know, um, Ventura County, the community colleges were so big that they had to split them up into three different campuses. So there's Oxnard College, Ventura College, and Moore Park College. They're all community colleges, but they were so big that they split them up into different regions. Um, so you could take classes at any college and still be and still be credited as to one school. And 
thinking back on it now, it was so weird how Moorpark College had journalist program, a, a thriving one actually. In fact, when I got to Northridge, a lot of my peers um, were referencing or like name dropping professors that they had who taught them journalism at community college. And the other professors like knew what they were saying. They're like, oh, okay, that makes you a good student then because you taught, you learn from the best. And I was just there kind of in my corner because I mean, I'm the only kid in the program who's from Oxnard. I remember my first day of classes, they were on Zoom, but I remember the first day, the first introductions in every single class that I had my first semester, the professor always asked, where are you from? And oh, Oxnard, what is that place? I've never heard of it. So it was really much of a culture shock to kind of, to one, be studying film and TV media to get into this program, not only that, but to get into this program and be completely, I think, pushed to the side because I was not the kid who had these great professors. I was the kid who was a little behind in everything to catch up because I didn't have these same skills or these same kind of writings as the other kids or portfolios or experience. But, you know, that just made me work a lot harder. I've been at, I've been at C at CSUN for about two years now, so you would call that four semesters. Three of those semesters, I have been on Dean's List. I have made the best grades that I have ever, and it's really because of the resilience of having to, you know, work harder, be, pay more attention in class, understand what is going. And that is a resilience that taught me at Oxnard College, because even though I didn't learn all of those same skills, you best believe they taught me how to believe in myself. Mel, having classes with you and working with you at the radio station, I can tell you're not behind anymore. You're doing <laughs> incredible. You have so much potential. You have no idea, girl. Thank but, you. <laughs> but tell me a little more about film production and uh, all this first step that you took to get to journalism. I know that you love storytelling because we're always talking about that because we have that in common. But how did you get to film production? Was something that they told you to take? Like, hey, we don't have journalism. This would be like the best bet to get somewhere, uh, a four-year university for journalism. Or you just got interested in it uh, halfway through your film production AA. So I always knew I wanted to go into broadcast journalism. Um, you know, my mom used to always tell me, I can't wait to see one of my girls on TV, or I would love to have my morning coffee and watch one of my girls news anchor. And at, when she was saying this, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I knew that one, I wasn't afraid of public speaking. I wasn't afraid of telling a story. I wasn't afraid of communicating. And it just like clicked in my head, journalism, news anchoring. I can do that. That's perfect for me because I'm not afraid. I, I want to use these skills that I know that I'm the best at. So, you know, I go, and I didn't know Oxnard College didn't have a journalism program. It's, it's so funny. Like, I didn't know how uncommon it was to be a journalist in my area because I, I used to work in Camarillo, which is a town next to Oxnard. And even there, just for reference, Camarillo is a little bit more of a richer, um, less diverse neighborhood. They don't really have a lot of Latinos there. Um, so you would think that they would understand, like, more than just the basic nursing and, and automatic careers that uh, Oxnard 
students produce. But no, even then they were like, broadcast journalism? I never heard of that either. So I'm like, oh, fabulous. Um, but going on to the film production classes, I mean, I think what they were trying to, you know, they really tried their hardest with me. I did take communication classes and they really were on me. They, they really believed in me. And that sounds really weird to say because it's like a lot of kids go to school, they go to classes and they just do their thing versus me. Like, you know, when you're a student at Oxford College, you have guidance counselors who are checking up on you. You have professors who are checking up on you. They are not going to let you fail. You have a whole team of resources who are there to help you out. And so they were like, they were doing the research for me and they were telling me, okay, um, when you go to this school or when you want to transfer over, well, let's put it into perspective. So you said, they're going to want, they're going to want you to know to set up a camera so you can do an interview. So take a film production class or an audio class. They can show you how to cut and edit audio and they can show you how to set up a camera. Sure. It's going to be for a movie, but when you go over there, at least you know the skills or some skills on how to do it for an interview. And there are some times, even though I say some of my education lacked, there's some of where my education thrived because now I knew, because sometimes filming can be, filming a movie or a short film is a little bit more complex than filming a interview, like a stand-up interview. And I was like, oh, this is easy. I've got this. I know the questions to ask and I know how to set it up. I know the rule of thirds. You know, I don't have to do any crazy sequences um, because I had such an extensive film knowledge that it made interviewing with the camera so much easier. The same thing for screenwriting was like, I'm sorry, we don't have any journalism classes that teach you how to properly write, but here's three general English classes that you can take that'll show you three different types of writing plus a screenwriting class that'll show you the importance of storytelling in different ways. Not only that, but they had these mass communications classes where they taught you how media and mass communication go hand in hand and how that reflects on a society as a whole. And that really helped me when I got here because some of the classes I was taking, I already had knowledge of. I already knew this. This was beginner stuff at OC, but it was high-level stuff at CSUN, which I thought was very interesting. So it really set me up in a ways that I didn't know that I'm like just now being able to reflect on and be like, wow, I really knew what I was doing um, certain times because even though it was so far-fetched to go from film to broadcasting, it still translated to almost the same skills. This whole time that you were talking, I was trying to translate a saying that we have in Brazil to English. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to go, but God writes right through different mm -hmm. paths. You know, something like that. Yes. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know the saying, obviously, you know, of course, I'm not <laughs> Bill, but, you know, I, I, this whole year, this whole time during the pandemic, what I used to tell myself was God does not put things in your path that you cannot handle. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's just a bunch of other skills that you have that all those people from the other colleges and co-professors cool and well-known people or whatever, they didn't have it. They had one view only, and you had film production, screenwriting, other uh, writing skills, other filming skills that people were just like, oh, no, I know how to do this for journalism, but if you ask me to do a short film, I'm going to do a longer journalistic piece because they know how to do that format, not like other ones. 
So I feel like that even gives it an advantage, which is really cool. Yeah, and it also teaches me a lot of tips and tricks. Like, it's so funny when I have to mic somebody up because usually they have to do, like, a one-two mic test. No, one thing that I picked up in a film production class is when you mic someone up, instead of doing mic check, one, two, three, say this, say that, keep them talking, like, Keep them, like, ask them what they had for breakfast. Ask them what their favorite brand is. Open-ended questions. And that's something I don't really see a lot of journalist students do here. Not, no shame to them. No shame at all. You know, do what you got to do to help you get that story. But that was just another trick that helped me was like, oh, just have a conversation when you're doing a mic check. And that's invaluable because not only do you have a conversation with them and you get your levels, but you also start kind of, setting not setting but creating this this foundation of friendship and ha- and like friendliness and personalness that you really want to achieve as a journalist when you're trying to get the the story to all my dear listeners please this is a very nice advice that Melanie is giving y'all so start using it because i feel like mike 123 is like so um it's not professional it's just like i have to get done with this so we can start And it doesn't give, like, this proximity um, that, you know, sometimes it's needed for the story. But um, I know that you have a different view of journalism now than what you might have had a few Mm -hmm. years ago. And I wanted to talk about that because I feel like our views agree uh, also because I feel like journalism is so much more than what we are doing with it. Can you talk more about it? You know, when I first got into journalism, I'm not going to lie, I was 18 years old. I had no idea what it meant to like put in the work and hustle and grind. I just was like, I just looked at the TV and I said, I want to be her. I want to be on the TV and I want to be reporting and looking cool and making tons of money. <laughs> I know, very naive of me. But then, you know, I started learning, and of course, I had my education at OC, where that's another thing that I really like about my education at OC, is that the professors there, they knew that I wanted to be a journalist major, um, but they didn't they didn't stop me from believing in the impossible. Like, I think I've told you before, um, at the same time that I wanted to be a journalist, I was also trying to make it in acting, like I really wanted to be an actress. Um, not as much anymore, to be completely honest. But they would have me, everyone in the program knew that I wanted to be an actress. So every time they had like a short story or a short film, they were like, Melanie, can you star in it? Melanie, please. Like I I do photo shoots, I do all of that. And it really opened my eyes to all the things that I was learning. Because in the same program, I had photographers. Photographers were taking film and media classes. Um, I had people who wanted to go into, it's so funny, there was this one kid who was very talented, and when I asked him, like, did you want to be a director, he said, no, I want to be, a, I'm, I'm double majoring in psychology, because I want to be a therapist for entertainers, like, I want to help entertainers get in the right mindset for a movie, I was like, what, that, that's a thing, like, I went from understanding all of, like, understanding that all of my classmates, students want to be actors and directors, to going to a school where um, it really advertised hard news, be a political person, uh, make it on KTLA and Spectrum. And at this point, I have already developed the mindset of, wait, what, can't I do more? Like, I I realized very quickly I didn't want to be a news anchor anymore. I didn't want to be the person reporting the stories. Um, I wanted to be the person 
telling the stories, which sounds kind of weird because you would think the news anchor is the one who tells the stories, but it's not. And I didn't want to do, I didn't want to do reporting at all. Like, I don't want to be a journalist, which just sounds so weird because I'm about to graduate. But no, I want to take these skills that I learned, these media skills, these Instagram skills, and these everything that I, like, setting up a camera, good lighting, audio stuff. I want to take, I want to take that and take it back to my community because we do have a local newspaper here. And I would love to work with them or the high school I went to, like they didn't have a lot of resources. They're still, they're still on print newspaper. They don't know about websites or Instagram or TikTok or how that's being used for, um, for journalism nowadays too. I would love to go back and teach those same skills I just learned to them. And at the same time, I also, you know, refound my love of writing. Like I've always been a writer since I was a little kid. But once I started at CSUN, it kind of, I kind of lost it because I was more so like focused on analytical and logic and getting the facts. But going through this program, I learned that I still do love writing fictional stories. And one of my classes taught me how to write a blog. Like how obviously, you know, it was a journalistic blog, but he encouraged me to write, create a short story blog. And it's gotten some attention. There's an Instagram on it. Um, all this stuff, and I would love to go back again and teach that or use that to my, my my benefit to take those skills that I learned and make something of myself rather than just of what journalism expects me to do. I love that. And you touch it on uh, one of my last questions. Now we're going towards the end of our conversation. Um, I have three more questions for you. And one of it is, um, talk more about your website with short stories. I loved it. I read it. And, you know, we were always writing um, our short stories and poetry, like, in classes. I know that's not good. Please, the students, don't do that. But it was so nice to have, like, someone to talk to about this type of things. And you actually did a website on it. I am still uh, formatting to do kind of a book. So mm -hmm. talk more about it. Uh, where did your ideas come from? What do you write about? Just let us know anything about your writing on the website. Okay. I'll always talk about my writing. So my, my, uh, my website, um, well, let me give you my Instagram. My Instagram is ink stains and daydreams. Um, and on there is a link. It's still a Wix site. So I still am in the process of getting the domain name, like just to ink stains and daydreams, but There's a link on that Instagram page to my website. Writing just, okay, this is going to sound really funny, but, you know, growing up, all I really had was writing. Like, I didn't know, like, I was still trying to find my friends. I was eating lunch alone. Like, it wasn't a, a, a good experience for me growing up socially. Um, and obviously, that also means that, you know, up in my head, it wasn't a safe place either. So... I wrote stories to create a safe place in my head. I wrote stories so that when my mind began to wander, I didn't wander into the negative, you know, side of things. I wandered into like the fantasy of things of what could be like, for example, if my friends were picking on me at lunch and I ran to the restroom to go cry, I would instead go and I would think, okay, I'm crying in the restroom, but this is, this is the part where a magical portal is going to open up and they would take me away to this Neverland kind of world. 
and that's kind of where it stemmed from. And then it, I love fiction. I absolutely love fiction. I love romance. We talked about this. All of my stories will have romance in them. <laughs> but it, it stemmed from that, that taking the impossible and making it possible or taking a bad situation and making it a better situation. I write, right now, the stories I'm currently working on have a lot to do with, like, magic because I love magic and I love um, what could, like, be, like, all the outcomes we can do with that. Like, there's magical schools. There's the underdog who didn't know that they had powers. There was all of that. Um, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought here. <laughs> I just, see, this is what writing gets to me. I just, I start thinking of so many ideas as I talk about it. Um, I know last year I wrote a story because my mental health wasn't in the best state of, state of mind, mental health, but not best state of mind. And I needed an outlet and I didn't know, like, I thought listening to music, going on walks would help me, but it wasn't doing what it's supposed to do. Like, what helped me out? was putting it all into a story. So I ended up writing a whole story that took me the entire semester about a girl who lives in this village and suffers from mental health, but she's also a healer and she ends up finding this found family with a bunch of misfits from a neighboring village and helps like kind of save their town and save their world. And in it, I wrote about characters who look like me. You know, I am brown-skinned, black-haired Latina. We don't hear about those in fantasy stories. I am, you know, shorter. I'm not curvy like Latinas. Let's put it that way. I don't look like the stereotypical Latina we see on TV. So she looks like that. I wrote characters about the people who I went to school with, again, who were, you know, who were um, Filipino or Samoan or or of different cultures that we don't hear about. And I wrote characters that looked like them and all the struggles that they go through. And of course, you know, I was very proud of myself. It sounds really weird to say, but I was very proud of myself because I ended up writing a scene about the character having a panic attack. And I was just thinking to myself, this is exactly how I feel when I feel like I'm having anxiety when the walls are closing in. And it was a really powerful moment for me to admit Oh my gosh! It was through writing that story that I that it was able that I was able to admit my, to myself, oh no, I'm having mental health struggles. What I just wrote that this character happened has actually already happened to me. I need help, and it, writing that story inspired me to get help and um, pursue like therapy. And that's what I hope that people get from my writings is that same feeling of like they realize something within themselves and yeah that that's pretty much the, the basis of what my writing stems from trying to create a good outcome from a bad outcome I love that I love that and I really want to see more of your writing Mel uh, keep <laughs> updating the website please I'll try my best no of course of course all in the right time you mm-hmm. don't have to rush anything in your life. Everything happens at the right time that they are supposed to. And that's the, that's the great thing about writing is that, you know, you, you we hear about these authors who are like, yeah, like, for example, Anna Todd that wrote after. He's like, yeah, I did it. I dedicated six hours to writing and I have this great novel now. And it was a fan fiction, which I love because I am an avid fan fiction reader. Fan fiction will always be number one in my heart. Some of my stories are inspired by fan fictions or fandoms. Um, but, you know, I didn't dedicate six hours of my day writing. I dedicated like an hour, sometimes more, sometimes less. But that didn't stop my healing process or my creative process at all. I just went on my own pace. 
I love that. And with all this background that you have and all this work that you've been doing, you've been taking TV classes, radio classes, you have your website, you have all the other side of your community college skills. What is your ultimate career goal? What do you want to do with your life? That is a great question. And I'm also 23 years old and I don't know. And that's okay. That's something I struggled with because I had professors telling me, you know, you have to go work at these news stations. You have to become this great whatever. Then I also had like my own personal thing was like, well, I want to write. I want to be an author. I want to have a book series. And the truth is, I want to do it all. Like I want to one day be able to teach a classroom full of kids how to create their stories or how to become social media influencers, as funny as that says. Because honestly, that's a whole other conversation, but that's where the world is going now. Like social media is quite important and I would like to teach individuals, how, kids, how to navigate that. I would like to have my own book series and I would like to end up on shows like Good Morning America or KTLA or whatever, talking about my book series and and, and doing all of that stuff, like, I, I I want it all, and I think that if I put in the work, I can do it, and honestly, something that I took for granted during, and I want to do it all in Oxford, by the way, I want to do it all here in my community, where I feel like they would benefit the most from it, because they deserve it, and honestly, something that I learned in the pandemic was that it's okay to have aspirations for a nine-to-five job as well. It is okay to be just an average plain Jane who just wants to live their life the way that they want to live their life. There's no rule that says we all have to aspire to be rich and famous and great. The only rule is to aspire to be happy and thankful for and grateful for what we have and give it back. So if that means working a nine-to-five while I get my um, book published or if that means working in my local radio station instead of a big media one, then that's fine. Or if that just means going and becoming like a substitute teacher or a parent educator or pursuing my teaching credential um, and putting a little bit more time on my clock to find a career, then that's fine too. Yeah, it's totally fine. And, you know, what, I have so many things that I want to work on. I have I want to have my books published, but now I really want to work with podcasting. Like it's been so long and having this podcast is like literally the best thing. It's my baby of all of my journalism projects cuz yeah. I feel like I can be so close to people and it doesn't interfere um when I interview my friends because Sometimes journalists, they don't have the chance to tell their own stories. And that's what I want to do in here, you know. And having people coming in and te telling me about their super different backgrounds and what they want to do with their lives and what is their projects, uh, personal projects and works and stuff that they want to do. It's just like so fulfilling to be able to give like people who give other people voices their own. So I am so like focused in audio and my writing and also I get it we all want everything and with the right uh effort and mm -hmm. you know willingly to stay up nights and stuff to do everything that you have to do it's gonna be worth it when I first started CSUN I was like news anchor or true kind podcast host 
But then somebody told me that I wasn't going to make it. And that really upset me. <laughs> One of my classmates legit was like, yeah, you want to be a true crime podcaster? Good luck with that. And I was like, wow, okay, this is what I'm stepping into. And that's kind of when my journey of, do I really want to be a journalist? Do I really want to um, develop an attitude like some of my classmates? Um, no, I, I don't. So while I still have other aspirations, because I totally agree with you about podcasting, how important it is to give people a voice, especially on something that's becoming so popular, like a podcasting platform. You know, I 110 agree, like, that's important. We need that. And I would love to pursue that at one time or another. But again, that just, again, adds to the growing field of, like, with this degree, anything is possible. With these skills, anything is possible. That is true. Journalists, they can do so much. And we focus on the traditional, on what people expect us to do that we don't explore everything that we have, like, right in front of us. We have yeah. the mediums, we have the skills, we have the thoughts, but we don't have the courage. I think that's the word. We're not brave enough to break those traditional stuff, you know? Like, we we don't do it. Yeah, it's, it's so funny because journalism is a profession where they teach you to be um, brave and to go out there and get the story and do what you got to do. But then at the same time, it's also a place where it's like, okay, do what you got to do. But make sure it's in the realm of what we want you to do. It's such an untraditional kind of career because you have to go and do all these things and you have to constantly be developing your media skills. But at the same time, it's so traditional because you have to follow a hierarchy. Yeah. It's weird. It's just like, wait, you taught us to do all these things and, and to ask for forgiveness instead of permission. But now you're telling us that when we graduate, everything is about permission. Yeah, that that's insane. And to finish our conversation today, unfortunately, we went so long in here. It's so great to talk to you about this because I feel like we could have hours long conversations about it. Honestly, that's my fault. I'm a talker. I love that. Don't worry. Podcasting is all about <laughs> the voice, whatever we're talking about in here. I just wanted you to give people who are graduating also right now and they also didn't figure it out what they want to do in the future, for, they, for them not to fall into this pressure that we all have after graduating, like find a job, do this, do that, fall into the box. What is your mm-hmm. advice for people? Breathe. Honestly, breathe. Just because they taught you one thing at college doesn't mean it's the end all by all. Do what's best for you. If you need, I mean... I was constantly told, like, it's so funny, in my town, I was constantly told, oh, you're graduating? That means you're going to take a break, right? And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, like, you've been in school for five years. You, you should you should take a break. And honestly, I was like, that's an option? That's a thing? I can breathe? That's my advice to anybody who's graduating and they realize that their degree isn't for them. Just breathe and what happens happens. And don't forget that some of those skills that you learn are transferable to other things. So it's okay to be knocking on doors and trying new things. We're in our 20s. No one has life figured out in their 20s. And if you're older and with kids in the family, then that's totally fine too because you show that you are capable of something and you've committed to something and you can commit to something else too. Like it is totally fine to just 
breathe and take a step back and figure out what it is that you like and what it is that you don't like. And don't shame yourself for picking a major that you don't like. There was at one point where you did like it or where you felt the need to take that major and it just so happens that it didn't work out and that's fine. That's life. That doesn't mean you're going to end up sad and depressed the rest of your life. It just means it's one thing you don't like, but there's other things that are like, let me go explore that. Mel, the one thing that I want to say after this interview is thank you. Thank you for talking to me about all of that and enlightening the listeners with all of your ideas and opinions and your life experience. Thank you so much for coming here today and talking to me. It was really amazing to have you. It was amazing to be here and to uh, be accepted for those controversial opinions. I mean, other people may think they're controversial, but I'm glad to to voice them and if anyone hears them at least know that they are not alone in whatever it is that they are facing. So everyone, this was our episode and I'm really glad that you guys are here and enjoying it. So be ready to enjoy this new season. I am bringing more stuff besides the interviews for you guys related to journalism. So I hope you all enjoy that. And meanwhile, while I have you here, I have some news too. I decided to start our Facebook page and it's Journalist Talk. So if you find it there, just click it and follow and like and interact with me with the posts and all. And I also have a website it's podpage.com slash journalist dash talk. And my Instagram is at news. So all of that I'm going to put in the show notes. But here it goes. It's a reminder for all of you. And I am excited for this new journey of season three in 2023. And for all of you, my listeners, I'll see you guys in the next episode. <laughs>